I'm loving the journey we've been on with Elijah. We've seen the best of him and we've seen the worst, haven't we? From the highs of calling down fire from heaven and turning the whole nation of Israel back to God to the depression, the suicidal thoughts that he was having. It just shows what God can do with somebody, though, who's devoted to him. In spite of all the mess sometimes that we are in and we carry with us. You know, we all journey with God, and sometimes we do feel the highs and the lows of our journey, don't we? If you've been on the journey with God for any length of time, you'll know it's never always easy. It's never, life just isn't easy, is it? Sometimes we struggle to lift our head off the pillows. Sometimes we bounce out of bed with a smile on our face. Although for me, it's usually about a couple of hours after I wake up, I get a bounce. See, we don't like sometimes letting people see when we are weak, do we? It's not something that's easy for us, especially in our culture and the way we do it. We always feel like we have to be strong. And sometimes that looks like, to be honest, wearing a mask. And I think we're all getting used to the whole fact of wearing masks, aren't we? You know what? Sometimes we do that, though, with our emotions. Sometimes we do that with where we really are and how we feel about things. Sometimes we just want to isolate ourselves away, just like Elijah whenever he ran away into the wilderness. He even left his servant, the one who was devoted to him and wasn't meant to leave his side. He ran away. But God does something brilliant. God draws Elijah back into his presence, doesn't he? He doesn't leave him in that hopeless place. And the same thing he does with us, he doesn't leave us in hopeless places. And you see, what God does in response to Elijah is that he actually gave him someone to train. That's something that God actually did to help Elijah, to give Elijah a purpose and a reason and something to channel his efforts through. And he gave Elijah Elisha. See, the passage that, um, that my, my sermon's based on is in 1 Kings 19, from verse 19 through to the end. But we're not actually going to look at that today. We're, not, we're indirectly looking at the passage through a few other passages See, the first thing Elijah did whenever he seen Elisha was he grabbed his cloak, his mantle, and he threw it over Elisha. And that was to basically signify to Elisha, Elisha, I want to adopt you as a son. I want to bring you into my family. And I want to teach you how to be a prophet. I want to teach you the family business because his business was being a prophet of God. That's what his job was. It's funny though, the first thing that Elisha does was, oh no, I've got to go say my goodbyes. I've got to go say bye-bye. And Elijah agrees to this. He goes, yeah, that's fine. But he says, what have I just done to you? See, he warns him to be mindful about what has just happened. See, Elisha has just agreed to follow Elijah without any distractions. So Elijah's warning him, don't get distracted from following. Don't get distracted from the call that's been placed in your life. And you see, we're called to be disciples of God. Whenever you enter into a relationship with that, it's called being a disciple. We follow Jesus, don't we? That's who we follow. That's what we're meant to do. And you see, one of the greatest things we can do is become like Elisha and allow someone who's ahead of us on the journey to help lead us on, to help guide us, to help talk through things with. You can't do it on your own. We're not called to be these rebel Christians that go out on their own and do everything. We're called to be part of a family, the family of God. So we're called to be like 
Elisha and follow. But not only that, we're also called to be like Elijah and actually to lead others. See, we're supposed to be disciples making disciples. That's what we're meant to do. See, if you aren't investing in someone, as has been read in, uh, in Matthew, um, just by Kerry, if we're not bringing someone on, are we really following the Great Commission? Are we really following the last thing that Jesus said to us before he left the earth? Now, that's pretty important. The last thing somebody says to you is something that stays with you, isn't it? You see, that's what Jesus did after he was resurrected, after he had showed himself to his disciples. He went and he says, you know what? All authority has been given to me. So therefore, go and make disciples. That's our mandate. That's, that's, that's what we're meant to be doing. So my challenge to you is, when's the last time you introduced someone to Jesus? When's the last time you showed someone who Jesus was? When's the last time you allowed somebody else to start their discipleship journey? And then not only that, when's the last time you were discipled by someone? When's the last time you were brought on by someone? When's the last time you were encouraged by someone? You see, as disciples, we go and make disciples, just like Elijah did to Elisha. See, we take all the people on a journey to God. We develop their understanding of God. We journey with them, helping find the, finding the understanding and the truth of what God believes about things and topics. And we baptize them. That's another thing that we said we're, we're meant to do. We're meant to go and we're meant to baptize people in the name of Jesus. We teach them what God says. We can't just assume that people understand and know about God. Today's culture, most people don't know and understand the real truth and reality about God. I think most of us could probably put our hands up saying that, you know what, I need taught quite a bit still about God. Because no matter how much we seem to understand about God, there's always so much more to understand. And you know what, that's why it's good to have people who are ahead of us on journeys, just to take us and lead us and develop us. So who are you investing in and who's investing in you? Who have you surrounded yourself with that encourages you and blesses you? See, the thing is, if you're still the same person you were last week, last month, last year, last decade, then you're not really following the example set by Jesus. You're not really following the call of God in your life. In essence, your faith has become stagnant. See, if any of you has ever seen a stagnant pond, you know that they're not beneficial for healthy living and healthy life. See, bacteria and parasites thrive in stagnant water, don't they? Anybody who's got a pond that the, um, the pump breaks, you'll, you'll know this. You know what? It doesn't even take a week for the levels of water to go from brilliant to stagnant and actually quite dangerous to health. So why do we think that if that's what happens with water, why do we think that in our faith, if we start to become stagnant, do we, why do we think that our faith won't be, in, the, in essence, dangerous? in essence, going to struggle to actually be healthy. See, I'm not talking about our fundamental beliefs here. Don't get me wrong. I'm not talking about, you know, believing in the cross, believing in the finished work of Jesus and being baptized. I'm not talking about the fundamentals of our faith, but I'm talking about the journey to becoming more like God. As we journey to become more righteous, more holy, to be like God in how we react to things, to remove anything that hinders from our lives, that's what I'm talking about. 
See, for us to change from the broken person to being the son and daughter of God, we will be on that journey for our whole life. So don't become stagnant in that journey. Don't become settled in the way. Like I'm sure none of you would be so full of pride to actually think that you're okay the way you are. I don't think anybody would be like that here. If you do think that you're okay the way you are, I think you need to get on your knees and just start telling God you're sorry. And they can't use the excuse of, oh, this is how far I've come. Look at how far I've come. At the end of the day, yes, it's brilliant that you've come as far as you've come. But if you think that where you are is where God wants you to be, we're mistaken. God has got so much more planned for you. God has got so much more ahead of you. God has got so much more that he wants to do in your life. So please give it over to him daily. Give it to him. Don't let your faith become stagnant. Don't let your expectations of what God can do become stagnant. See, it's no justification to knowingly do something that you know is against God, to react in a way that you know that God wouldn't want you to react, to do something that God wouldn't want you to do. There's no justification for that, except for our own weakness and feelings and sin. And that's when we need to come back to God and say, we're sorry. When you do make mistakes, and don't worry, you will make mistakes. You're never gonna be perfect. You will, there will be times, and that's why we've got to keep a short account with God. We need to keep coming back to him and saying, God, I'm sorry I messed up this way, but let's, let's not focus on that. Let's focus on being more like you. See, is God not worthy of us trying to do all that we can to reflect him to this world? So you know what? This has got everything to do with what Elijah did to Elisha and what Elijah said to Elisha. Elijah said, what have I done for you? He was reminding him that he has just given him a call. He has just been adopted into God's family. He has just been um, taken on the mantle of a prophet. And you see, Elisha was about to go and say goodbye to his family. And you know what? It's so hard to sometimes say goodbye to something which is so good whenever you know God's calling you on to something better. And Elijah knew that it would be tough because of the connection that Elisha had with his family. See, when we become disciples with Jesus, sometimes we have to be near or around things that could hinder us from following God, that could stop us from going on that journey with God. It could be tough and be distracted. But Elisha, he listened to what Elijah said and he understood so what he did is he went home, and when he went home to say his goodbyes, he actually removed anything that might entice him back. If you read the passage, you'll see that he gets the bulls, that he used, or the oxen that he used to draw his plow, and he killed them. And then he got the plow that he used to plow his fields with, and he, he smashed it up, and he made it into a fire, and he cooked the bulls in the fire, and then gave it to everybody around. He removed anything that might entice him back to the life, to the family life, because he knew he was being called to be a prophet. And in some, day, in some, some days, we have to do the same. We have to remove things from our life, which aren't necessarily bad, but sometimes we have to say no to some good things to get to the God things, to get to the things that God has planned for us. See, we do this out of love because we've been forgiven, because we know God's love. So have you asked God to remove any unclean way within you? Have you asked God to guide you as to what are you doing at the minute that could be hindering God moving in your life, using you? When's the last time you prayed for God to purify you, to make you holy, to make you righteous, to make you more like Jesus? Jesus. 
See, this is what Jesus said to his 12 disciples as he was sending them out. It says in Matthew verse 10, verse 7, it says, As you go, proclaim this message. The kingdom of heaven has come near. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons. Freely you have received, so freely give. See, that was the mission that Jesus gave them. Jesus said, go out and be witnesses. Tell people about God. Heal the sick. Do the things that you see me do. Become like me. And, in, and that's our mission too. That's what Jesus would say over your life. Go out and do this. Go out and heal people in my name. Because you freely received my grace, so freely go and give my grace to others. You freely received forgiveness, so freely be forgiven and then go and forgive others. This is the very simple truth that what we do. From verse 16, it says this. So it says, I am sending you out like sheep among wolves. Therefore, be as shrewd as snakes and as innocent as doves. Be on your guard. You will be handed over to the local councils and be flogged in the synagogues. On my account, you will be brought before governors and kings as witnesses to them and to the Gentiles. But when they arrest you, do not worry about what to say or how to say it. At that time, you will be given what to say, for it will not be you speaking, but the Spirit of your Father speaking through you. In other words, if you truly want to follow God, if you're truly going to be a disciple of God, you're going to be up against it. Society isn't going to accept you with open arms because what we say is countercultural. What we do and how we live our lives doesn't fit in with the norm. See, this being a disciple, it isn't easy. Why? We're sent out like sheep among wolves. In other words, there's people around you that will be trying to attack you and devour you. But you know what? God won't let them. See, we are going to be attacked and abused for having a real faith in Jesus. If you have a real faith in Jesus, you're going to be under attack. But what it does say is, don't retaliate. If people mock you for following Jesus, don't retaliate. Don't just, you know, nip back and snap back at them. Because that's not, that's not a godly thing to do. It says the Holy Spirit will fill you. And you will be able to speak what you need to say. God is going to fill you with his words to speak over others. It does get better though. Verse 21 in Matthew 10, it says, is it Matthew 10? Yes, it is Matthew 10. Verse 21, it says, Brother will betray brother to death and a father his child. Children will rebel against their parents and have them put to death. You will be hated by everyone because of me. But the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. When you are persecuted in one place, flee to another. Truly I tell you, you will not finish going through the towns of Israel before the Son of Man comes. He says, you know what? Your own families may turn against you. You know what? You'll be betrayed by those who you think that you can love. Why? All because you love Jesus. All because you follow Jesus. See, this book, the Bible that we follow, it divides. It cuts in. It can shatter lives. But is it worth it? It's worth every moment. It's worth every effort. I don't know if any of you ever, have ever read, there's a book called Jesus Freaks, which basically is, um, there's actually a few editions of it out now, but it's story after story after story of those people who are persecuted for having a faith in Jesus, for those people who have to choose to stand up against their culture. 
because they love Jesus. So there's story after story. There's also um, another book called Secret Believers, written by Brother Andrew. I don't know if any of you have read it, but if not, read some of those books if you can get your hand on it. If you can get the audio books even or anything like that, please read the books. You know what? It's filled full of stories that will inspire and challenge you. Why? Because these people, in spite of what's happening around them, have had to stand up for their faith. They've had their brothers, their families, their sisters, their parents. They've had people turn against them. They've been disowned. Like if you look even at the Apostle Paul and what he says about his life, it's pretty horrendous what he's had to go through. Why? Because he loves Jesus and because he follows Jesus. You're called to do the same. You're called to be a disciple of God and go wherever that leads you. It's not going to be a safe place. If you think that it's going to be a safe, easy, comfortable journey to follow Jesus, it isn't. Why? Because, as I say, you go against the grain. You go against the culture of the day. It's not a settled, easy thing. And even hearing this, sometimes it's not easy because you're like, well, I thought, I thought this was supposed to be a good thing. It is. It's the best thing you can ever have. It's forgiveness in a relationship with God. But you know what? It transforms everything because of that relationship. It transforms how we view life. We don't view it just with earthly eyes. We don't view it... We view it from heaven, from heavenly eyes. Verse 27 in Matthew 10 carries on. It says, What I tell you in the dark, speak in the daylight. What is whispered in your ear, proclaim from the roofs. Do not be afraid of those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. Rather, be afraid of the one who can destroy both the soul and the body in hell. Are not two sparrows sold for a penny, yet not one of them falls to the ground outside of your father's care. And even the very hairs of your head are numbered. So don't be afraid, because you are worth more than many sparrows. In other words, God knows when a bird falls down dead. So how much more precious are you? He's got the hairs on your head numbered. He cares about you so much that he wants to invest in you. He wants you to be a disciple. He leads us on this journey into discipleship. So you've got to know your worth. You've got to know what God thinks of you. Like, you can't even count the hairs on the back of the palm of your hand, let alone the hairs in your head. And he even knows when you run a brush through your hair how many hairs have dropped out. You know what? God loves you that much. So don't fear those around you. Don't fear those that come against you. Because would you not rather fear God and honor God with your life? See, don't be afraid of those who can cause you physical or emotional harm. Don't be afraid of them. But speak God's word, both written word and his prophetic word, over them. Pray for them. It encourages us to pray for our enemies, doesn't it? So if anybody does come against you, start praying. Pray for them. Pray that God will be with them and God will speak to them. Do you realize how precious you are in God's sight? See, it goes on in verse 32. It says, whoever acknowledges me before others, I will also acknowledge before my Father in heaven. But whoever disowns me before others, I will disown before my Father in heaven. Do you hide your faith? Do you hide your belief? 
Or do you let that be the reason why you get up in the morning? Do you let that be the reason why you live your life the way you live your life and do what you do to bless others the way you bless them? Is church just something you fill your time with or is is church and being in family actually part of who you are? See, sometimes it's just um, some people attend church because they've just got something nice to say. Church, oh, it makes me feel good and stuff. But the reality is if you're not in a discipleship relationship with God, you're not really following the call of God on your life. See, can Jesus look down at you and say, hey, God, look at what so-and-so's doing. Have you seen what they're doing with their life? I just want to say that's amazing. Can God say that about your life? Can Jesus encourage God the Father with your life? I want you to think like that in everything you do. Is everything you do honoring God? You know what? It would be amazing to think that God could say that. That Jesus could turn to God the Father and say, wow, look at this guy. Look at what he's doing. Verse 34, it says, Do not suppose that I have come to bring peace to the earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. See, following God's leading and following Jesus is not a passive thing. It's an active thing. It's something we take hold of. It's something that we do. What does the Bible say? The Bible says that the kingdom of heaven is forcefully advancing and forceful men and women take hold of it. Are you taking hold of the kingdom of God in your life? Are you taking hold of the promises of God in your life? Are you, are you settling for mediocreness? Are you settling for second place? Are you settling for second best? See, it doesn't sound like easy going, does it? No, it's not easy going. But we take hold of the word of God. We take hold of the promises of God. See, the word of God cuts people. Whenever you speak the life of God, sometimes it can be one of two things. It can cut to wound or it can cut like a surgeon, like a surgeon's blade cuts to heal. See, are we intentionally taking this message to others? Are we intentionally using the word of God as a surgeon uses a tool to encourage people using wisdom and knowledge that God gives us to actually encourage people to cut the sin out of their lives, to remove the problem. The problem is sin, but Jesus is the solution. Jesus is the healer. Jesus is the one that is ultimately the healer. That's why we're not supposed to even entertain sin for a season. We're not supposed to just do a little bit. See, verse 37 encourages us. Anyone who loves their father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. Anyone who loves their son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. Whoever does not take up their cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Whoever finds their life will lose it. And whoever loses their life for my sake will find it. Are you willing to continue to give everything for God? Are you willing to continue your journey in your discipleship? Have you placed everything in the right order? Or have you placed something of more importance than following God? See, sometimes it's easy to put something in that place. See, to really be a disciple means that you remove anything that comes before God. You reprioritize it. You make sure that you honor God with all that you have and all that you are. See, if you can't really give up everything, then can you really be a disciple? 
See, it isn't easy to do. It's not easy to hear. It isn't easy to think about. But it's the most vital thing you can do in your life is remove anything that comes before God. When Jesus was asked, what's the two most important things? What did he say? He said, firstly, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And then he says, love your neighbor as you love yourself. In that order. So the issue is that if you're loving something more than you're loving God, you're not worshiping God, you're worshiping that thing. You're actually putting that thing. You're following that thing. Whatever it is, if it's money, then you're following money. You're worshiping money. If it's a person, then you're putting them of higher importance than God. Does it mean you can't love them? No, of course not. Of course you love them. You love them in the, in the most dynamic way you can. But the thing is, you've got to love God more. Everything has to become below God. God has to be the most important relationship in your life. So I want to encourage you to make God that. So this morning, as we talked about being a disciple, I want to encourage you to encourage others on this journey. Encourage others on their journey of following God, of giving their all to God, of actually allowing others to do that. And then, who are you getting to encourage you? Who are you getting to show you how to walk your life? It doesn't matter how old or how young you are. We all need someone who will encourage us on our journey. We all need someone who will guide us, who will teach us, who will um, get, our, get us thinking about things. We need that. We need our Elijahs and we need our Elishas. So who are, who are we letting have those positions in our life? Jesus called us to be a disciple to learn the ways of God, and then go teach others. So love God first, and then love others as you love yourself. And the truth is, if you're not taking care of yourself, you don't really love yourself. So are you taking care of yourself? Freely we've received this message, so freely give it to others. Let's just pray together. God, thank you for these hard words. Thank you for even the harshness of some of these words. God, thank you that you challenge us to be a disciple, to follow you, to follow your leading, to be inspired by you. God, I pray that all of us in our lives will be inspired by you, will be an inspiration to others. If we haven't found someone who can inspire us on our journeys, God, I pray that we will find that person and we will spend time with them and be encouraged by them. God, if we haven't found someone to invest in, I pray that we will take time to invest in someone, take time to pray about who we're going to invest in. We've got to be disciples making disciples. We've got to encourage others in the journey. So God, lead us on these relationships. Lead us on these journeys. Lead us in the right way so that we can honor you in all that we do. Because we know that if we honor you, you will direct our paths. So God, Lead us on these discipleship journeys. Thank you for the inspiration of Elijah and Elisha. So let's just pray. We just pray right now that you lead us. In Jesus' beautiful name, amen. Amen.